wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Just like that, the 2019 WWE Superstar Shake-Up officially in the books, with both the Raw and SmackDown Live rosters looking significantly different compared to what they were just one week ago. We're talking all things 2019 Superstar Shake-Up here on today's WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, April 18th, 2019. I am Graham Gius Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, Unfortunately, a lot like last week, things are completely different. A lot like Raw and SmackDown. I'm sick, unlike last week, so um, hopefully it won't be too much longer. Thankfully, I caught the sickness about a week ago, like literally right after I posted last week's show, um, like on late Thursday, early Friday. So thankfully, I'm on the end of it right now, uh, just kind of dealing with congestion and whatnot, quite a bit of coughing. <laughs> so if you hear any of that here on today's show, I apologize in advance, hoping for it to be gone by uh, Avengers Endgame next Thursday which I've already bought my pre-tickets for, my pre-planned tickets in advance for, on Thursday night at 10.45. And if that sounds late, I saw the first one, Infinity War, at midnight on the Tuesday, Wednesday, before it came out a couple, or last year, not even a couple years ago, it was last year, and it was well worth This movie, I know, is a little longer, um, not two hours and 40 minutes like Infinity War, it's about three hours in length, actually, at least three hours, but... And I'll be there at the theater. I'll be at the theater at least until 1.45 a.m., but it's well worth it. I've been looking forward to this movie for many, many years now, but at least since last year's Infinity War, which ended on one of the greatest cliffhangers I've ever seen. And Infinity War, as I've said for the past year now, is among my top three favorite films of all time. It was that great. So looking forward to Avengers Endgame. It's going to be awesome. But let's talk some wrestling here, as it is WrestleRant Radio after all. Um, I am Graham Giusa Matthews. We're talking all things Raw, SmackDown, Superstar Shakeup, how the rosters are looking coming out of the Shakeup this past week, and all that other great stuff. Before we get started, though, with the news and the notes and the Shakeup and everything else, uh, you guys can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and on YouTube as well, YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Graham Giusa Matthews. Um, I still have yet to get up, I, I still have yet to get up a majority of the content that I posted or not posted, but took all the videos that I took over WrestleMania weekend. Um, like I said, I got sick over the weekend, so I didn't have any time to post it on Saturday and Sunday as I was originally planning to. I did post the video of us meeting Bobby Roode, um, Chad Gable, Bobby Lashley, Lita, all of which, by the way, we did talk about here on WrestleRant Radio last week with Alexa, so. If you haven't already checked that out, please do so here on WrestleRant Radio, an awesome hour and a la- hour and a half long episode, I believe it was, or just about an hour in length, um, talking all things WrestleMania weekend. We had a great time discussing NXT Takeover New York, G1 Supercard, WrestleMania 35 itself, and Monday Night Raw, our in-depth experience at all four shows, 
and all things that we encountered along the way. So check out that episode if you haven't already. But um, what was I even getting at? Oh yeah, the videos that I took over WrestleMania weekend will hopefully be uploaded soon enough on the channel. So subscribe today. You'll get the notifications as soon as they're uploaded on the channel, hopefully in the coming days. And also, before we get started here, be sure to check out full episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, not only right here on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode on Thursdays, you also get every archived episode dating back to October of 2013, including last week's Incident Classic with Alexis breaking down WrestleMania weekend. So, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show on iTunes. All the episodes are available dating back to the debut up until this very week. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe today. So with all that out of the way, let's get started here with my official analysis of the 2019 WWE Superstar Shakeup. And a few things to note here before we get started, um, a few injuries and releases and all that other type of stuff. Um, on the injury side first, we got a few superstars that have since been announced or that have since been announced. Uh, rumored to be injured or have announced that they're injured and whatnot. First Big E, it was announced, I think, a few days after SmackDown, which he was in action at. Um, Big E did wrestle at SmackDown last Tuesday in the six-man tag team main event with Kofi and Xavier Woods against the bar Andrew McIntyre. In said match, um, apparently Big E had torn his meniscus, so he's going to be out for not too, too long, anywhere from six to eight weeks. WWE.com confirmed the injury, so he was not on TV this week. He's staying on SmackDown, thank God. Uh, I would have been dumb to break up the New Day at this point. But um, yeah, Big E will be out of action for at least a month or two. So that's not too, too bad. Could have been way worse. But yeah, Big E will be uh, out of commission for the foreseeable future. And then we have Sheamus, who was persona non grata on SmackDown this week. Um, it has not been officially disclosed what injuries he's dealing with, when he might be back. Um, Cesaro teamed up with Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev to take on the New Day's Kofi and Xavier and their honorary member Kevin Owens in a um, headlining match on SmackDown this week before the big Roman Reigns announcement. So uh, uh, I guess Sheamus will be out. I don't know if he's going to be out long term, if he's just taking time off for the foreseeable future. Who knows? But um, it has been said before that he has been dealing with neck injuries for a while now, some like lingering neck issues. So I'm not sure if that's what the cause of this is, or if it's something else entirely, we're not exactly sure. I'm just kind of going off reports and, you know, uh, the scuttlebutt on the uh, internet social media sites as of right now, but that's just what I've been reading. So Seamus, I'm not sure how long he might be out for, but it looks like Cesaro may be flying solo for the uh, near future. Also on the SmackDown side, we have Daniel Bryan, who has not been seen on WWE TV since WrestleMania 35 when he faced Kofi Kingston. For the WWE title, lost to Valtakofi on that night. One of the best Mania moments I've ever seen. Uh, but that's besides the point. Brian was not on the subsequent SmackDown two days after WrestleMania. He was not on SmackDown this week either. And it's obviously, he's obviously not going to Raw because it would have been announced on Monday that he was going to Raw. Though I'm not exactly sure about that yet. Uh, he may show up on Raw at a future date. Who exactly knows at this point? Uh, Samoa Joe is apparently supposed to go to Raw, so... Maybe Daniel Bryan goes to Raw too. I highly doubt it. But um, yeah, Daniel Bryan has been uh, out of action for the last two weeks. It was said at the time, coming out of WrestleMania, that Bryan may have suffered an injury on that show, which seems to be the case. Although, unlike the others I'm mentioning and talking about here, like Sheamus and like um, Big E, 
We don't know what the injury is to Daniel Bryan. We're not exactly sure. It's being kept very close to the vest at the moment. So um, it has yet to be officially announced what Daniel Bryan is dealing with, what he's undergoing at the moment. It's likely something head-related. If I had to take a guess, it might be something concussion-related, and they don't want to say anything else about it because if they do, and it's like your career is over, dude. It's like one last strike and you're done. Uh, when he was brought back to wrestle again last year, WrestleMania 34, I feel like it was under kind of the, the kind of impression that, listen, if you get hurt again, at least seriously, we got to take you out of the ring. We'll only clear you on those terms. So maybe they're trying to figure that out. He may never come back. We really do not know at this point. But I don't like the update that I read earlier today that suggested that we like no one really knows what the nature of the injury is at the moment. That, to me, sounds like it's no good. But hopefully I'm reading too much into things here, and that's not the case. But we'll soon see in due time. And then the last injury here, or injuries, I guess I should say, are to Nia Jax who it was announced on Friday by WWE.com that uh, that Nia Jax will have to undergo double, uh, I guess two surgeries, after suffering uh, two ACL tears in both of her knees, which is pretty crazy. Um, I guess she's been dealing with this for a while now. I find it very hard to believe that she was injured at WrestleMania. So she was probably injured dating back a few weeks or months. I think, for whatever reason, one report I remember reading had suggested that she's been hurt for now, upwards of like a year. So maybe she's been dealing with this for a lot longer than we expected or imagined. I'm not sure. But uh, Nia Jax, with these two injuries, is going to be out a while. Like, I'm thinking Sami Zayn time here. Sami Zayn had to undergo surgery in both of his shoulders to repair, uh, not MCL. It was it was some sort of a rotator cuff surgery, I believe it was, on both of his shoulders. So that's why he was out for as long as he was. Nia Jax is both of her knees, so that's just as bad. And one ACL injury is bad enough. Two is pretty atrocious. That's that's pretty bad. So uh, Nia Jax will be out for quite some time. I would assume through the remainder of 2019, if I had to take a guess. So the women's division is going to have to uh, do without Nia Jax and Tamina for right now. Like, listen, listen, I'm not the biggest Nia Jax fan. I'm not a Nia Jax-Tamina fan in the slightest. Uh, maybe this might do a world of good for Nia Jax. I hate to see anyone hurt. I hate to see anyone miss time. But maybe she comes back fresher. She's felt overexposed on TV for a while. Now, now granted, she did take time off for a brief period last year. So it's not like she hasn't been off TV before. And that didn't really do her any good. Uh, she's, you know, left. She's been a babyface. She's been a heel. She was gone for like a month or two last year. And she came back. People still hating her. So I'm not sure if that's going to change anything. But, uh... It's not like she and Tamina were lighting the world on fire anyway, or that she was Raw Women's Champion or SmackDown Women's Champion. But yeah, she's going to be out on the sidelines for the, uh, for I, I would assume the remainder of 2019 in a, in a quick update on that situation. So we have Nia Jax out with injury, Daniel Bryan possibly out with injury, Big E out with an injury through at least, you know, six to eight weeks, which isn't too, too bad. And then... Sheamus, who we also don't know how long he may be out for. He may be back next Tuesday, for all we know, on SmackDown. We're not exactly sure right now, because he was on SmackDown last Tuesday. He wasn't on SmackDown this week. And it was weird, because Cesaro was on the show. It was, Cesaro was on the show, so it wasn't a case of like, oh, we have nothing for the bar to do this week. Cesaro was on the show, so Sheamus, I'm sure, was hurt or had a family emergency. And, you know, people are just, I don't know. Uh, they, get, they got the report wrong. That would not be the first time something like that has happened. So I'm not sure. 
But um, yeah, that's the injury update for the uh, superstars of SmackDown Live and Raw. On a related note, Luke Harper announced on Tuesday that he has since asked for his release from WWE, which you got to assume will be granted at some point. Um, Because if you ask for your release and post about it publicly on Twitter and they don't grant it, they kind of look like assholes. Now, it was reported, I believe, by PW Insider that Harper's contract is up in November anyway. So even if they don't grant it, Harper is going to be a free agent by the end of 2019. Now, granted, it's April. He would have to sit out for the next seven months, which is kind of a long time. So hopefully they would grant him his release anyway. It's not like Luke Harper is going to go to fucking AEW and uh, blow the roof off the place. He likely will because he's a great athlete, but it's not like he's a former world champion. He's not Sasha Banks. Um, She's a person I do not see uh, being given her release. That's what's going on here. I don't see Sasha Banks being granted a release anytime soon, if ever. They would likely wait until her contract was up in order to let her go. Uh, Luke Harper isn't really much of a game changer. He never has been. He is a great athlete. I'm a big Luke Harper fan. I'm just saying in terms of like they'd be more willing to let him go just because he's not changing the face of the WWE title scene. He wouldn't make a major impact anywhere else. So I could see them letting him go um, maybe even by Friday. They usually do the releases on Friday, so maybe that's when they'll do it this week. Who knows? But um, yeah, Luke Harper has asked for his release <coughs> Excuse me, uh, from WWE in a post on Twitter. I mean, he'd already grant he'd already asked it prior to that, I would assume, but it wasn't made public until he posted about it on Twitter on Tuesday. And as I talked about in hashtag AskGSM on Wednesday, this should hardly come as a surprise. Luke Harper has been one of those guys where it's been evident for a while now that WWE should have done something with a long time ago, and when they didn't, the first two or three times, it was pretty obvious they were never going to. At least in a singles capacity. Harper's now been on the main roster since 2013. That's a six-year run right there. Not even counting his time in NXT and FCW and the other shit that he was doing with WWE. So probably closer to a decade when you count NXT and FCW and all that other shit. Probably closer to like 2011. Uh, For whatever reason, that year sticks out in my mind for Luke Harper. But a former NXT Tag Team Champion, a SmackDown Tag Team Champion, two-time SmackDown Tag Team Champion, actually. The guy's an amazing athlete. He can talk if given the chance. Um, He was never wildly over, though, but maybe because he was never given the chance to be wildly over. That's purely my opinion. Um, Obviously, he was designated as a follower for Bray Wyatt when the Wyatt family was first introduced, as he should have. I thought the Wyatt family was an amazing stable, an amazing idea that just amounted to nothing on the main roster. They never really booked them properly. Despite the various incarnations of the stable, it never really went anywhere, and it just faded off into obscurity, and we were never able to get that re- real Wyatt family stable that was intimidating and was a dominant force on the main roster. They would be built up for a short period before ultimately losing to the likes of John Cena, The Undertaker, Randy Orton, you name it they were probably beaten or buried by those people. So um, that was the Wyatt family. Harper did break off on his own after the first Wyatt family um, dissolution, the the first split in late 2014. Quickly became Intercontinental Champion. So that was pretty cool. Had an awesome ladder match with Dolph Ziggler back at TLC 2014, which is well worth checking out if you've never seen it. 
and it was an, probably the best Luke Harper match in his time in WWE. Um, had a great performance in that show, lost the belt, but an amazing outing nonetheless. And he went on to do nothing until the Wyatt family was resurrected in the summer of 2015. Uh, I think he did compete for the IC title at WrestleMania, so that was cool. But beyond that, though, they clearly had no plans for him on his own. And it sucks, because the guy was, you know, not that he was really getting over as a singles heel, but, you know, they had something there with him as a singles heel, but they didn't really do anything. At least he had a better future on his own than fucking Eric Rowan, who was over at first when he first turned face, and then they just used him as a stepping stone for some reason for the big show of all people. And then he was in, like, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal that year at WrestleMania 31. So the Wyatt family got back together, and Luke Harper was doing that for a while through, I think, 2016. Um, then he got hurt again. So he was, or not again, but I think he got hurt for, like, the first time. He was out for the better part of 2017, or 2016, rather. Came back, rejoined the Wyatt family. Did that for a while. Um, they did the whole Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, Randy Orton saga, which was actually awesome back in the back at the uh, beginning of it. Um, I thought they told a great story there. He had some great matches with Randy Orton. He was actually getting over, too, with the audience. People were chanting Harper's name. He wasn't as over as, like, Kofi Kingston is right now or as Becky Lynch is right now. But, you know, he was getting more, you know, that was probably the most popular point in his WWE career on his own. And they really, 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 and I still say this to this day, they really should have incorporated them into the WWE Championship match with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton at WrestleMania 33. The match without him sucked. It sucked. It was one of the worst, if not the worst match on that entire show. A disgrace of a WWE Championship match. So at least by adding Harper, who didn't need to win, he was never going to win. But at least by adding Harper, he could have taken the fall and it would have been a much better match. And it would have made more sense from a storyline standpoint because Harper had been involved in that angle from the very beginning because Orton never, or Harper really never trusted Orton. And they just blew that off like the fucking week before WrestleMania with Bray Wyatt beating Luke Harper in like five minutes or something dumb like that. So anyway, that was that. Um, That was their chance to push him. They didn't. Um, He did nothing coming out of WrestleMania before. I think he had a feud with Rowan, actually. They had a match of backlash that sucked, <coughs> that nobody cared about. So they did that. Um, he was taken off TV for a number of months. They reformed the Bludgeon Brothers. Okay. Um, I guess it's better than nothing for Harper, but they really... That was probably the biggest missed opportunity in his entire career in WWE, was them not pushing him as a singles babyface in the early part of 2017. So they did that. Bludgeon Brothers back together. Uh, Harper and Rowan. They won the SmackDown Tag Team titles at WrestleMania. Um, they held the belts for a while. Had a pretty dominant reign. Beat the New Day. Beat the Usos. Beat uh, Gallows and Anderson and a few other teams. Dropped the belts to the New Day uh, two days after SummerSlam last year. In a very good match. I was actually at the SmackDown where the New Day won the belts from the Bludgeon Brothers. And we had not seen Harper since. I think he worked a few NXT house shows. Um, which was cool. I think against Ricochet, if I'm not mistaken. And then he got hurt. I think he broke his wrist or something. And he was out for a few months. He only recently resurfaced at the World's Collide event, which was over WrestleMania weekend at WrestleMania Access. Um, I think it was at that Access session where he faced Dominic Dijak. Uh, uh, Dominic Dijakovic. I want to say Dijak. I, I, I should probably just say, say Dijak, but whatever. Um, I was at that session. I missed the match. Watched it on the network last week. 
<coughs> great match, well worth checking out. And then he asks for uh, for his release two days later. Because he probably knew, listen, they have no plans for me. They're not going to do anything with me. I appeared randomly in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Poor fucking guy, too, by the way. He was in the Battle Royal. It was hard to tell from all the way up in the in the cheap seats and the nosebleeds at WrestleMania because I was there in attendance. And I'm like, is that Luke Harper? That looks like Luke Harper. And I was watching on the Titan Tron. He had that face-off with Braun Strowman. And he got tossed closer to the end. And then I'm like, okay, you know, he lost, whatever. And I went back to check out the list of participants in the match to see who I missed on Wikipedia. His name wasn't listed. I checked out another article that listed the participants in the match. His name wasn't listed. I'm like, am I crazy here? Was he actually in the match? Or... Because people weren't really talking about Luke Harper, but he was in the match. I'm like, am I fucking seeing things? Like, what happened? So he was in the match because I saw he didn't talk about it. on Like, no one was really talking about Luke Harper being in the match, which I thought was just fucking weird. But uh, that was technically his last WWE match. And now he's hoping to be gone from the company if his release is indeed granted. But like I said, Luke Harper, an amazing athlete. Not to say that the guy could have been a world champion, maybe for like a day or two. You know, if they ever prompted to put the belt on him back in 2017. But what really bothers me is that he had momentum. They had the chance to do more with him. The guy was one of the most underrated athletes in the entire roster. But I can only really name like a handful of great matches I ever remember him having on his own. Yeah, he had a couple good matches with Rowan against like the Usos and the New Day, you know, teams like that. But beyond that, though, they never were really allowed to, he was never really allowed to shine on his own. He had a couple good matches with, like I said, uh, Randy Orton, Dean Ambrose. I remember that a couple years ago. Uh, who was the other one that I mentioned before? Uh, Dolph Ziggler from 2014. That was about it. I really do not remember many other memorable Luke Harper matches because he was mostly a background player. He's more of a stepping stone, which is fine, but they haven't they haven't even really done that in recent months. He, the guy wasn't really on TV at all. He got hurt, which is one thing. But it's not like he was going to be brought back to be with Rowan because Rowan's with Daniel Bryan right now. So they had no plans for him. He likely would have been on TV losing a fucking Rusev or something. So why not leave? Indie wrestling is booming right now. It's thriving. It's hotter than it's ever been. So why not take your talents elsewhere and be utilized better in another promotion? Ty Dillinger's probably going to aim to do that. Hideo Tommy's probably going to do that by going back to Japan, Kenta, whatever. And all these other people that are looking to leave. So I can't say I blame him one bit. He probably made the best decision because he wasn't on TV anyway. He was a non-factor. Ty Dillinger was no different. The guy was going nowhere fast. Harper had way more potential than Dillinger, I thought, but he was going nowhere fast. So why not just leave? So I thought it was a good decision on his part. We'll see what's next for him. I would love to see him in Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, AEW even. I guess we'll find out in due time where he might end up, but if he is granted his release, he's going to have to sit out the next 90 days anyway, so it might be a while before we find out where we'll see him. But uh, yeah, Luke Harper would be a much better uh, a value. Uh, he would be a much more value on the independent scene compared to WWE if he's just going to be sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. So on that note, let's move ahead here in my analysis of the 2019 Superstar Shakeup for WWE's Raw and SmackDown Live rosters. I'll incorporate some thoughts on Raw and SmackDown's shows this past week while I'm breaking down the results here, but there was a ton of people who moved, so I want to spend the rest of the show um, analyzing each pick and whether I think it's a good or bad thing, which brand I thought won out overall 
um, compared to last year and the year before that and the year before that. So this is our third superstar shakeup. We had one in 2017, 2018, and now 2019. I still hate the format. The format I still find to be incredibly lazy with people just showing up on one show and the other with no real explanation. And I thought this superstar shakeup was more confusing than any other we've ever had, which is saying something. Yet some people appearing on both shows, we still have no idea what certain shows, like certain superstars, what shows certain superstars are designated to. Um, Lars Sullivan was on Raw. They were playing dumb as to whether he was officially on Raw or not, which they also did for Ricochet and Aleister Black, but then it was announced after the show on WWE.com that they were all on Raw. Okay. SmackDown, Lars Sullivan shows up again, and then he's listed as a member of the SmackDown roster. So maybe he shows up on NXT next week, and then he's going to be drafted back down to NXT, and then 205 Live the following Tuesday. Who the fuck could possibly care? I like Lars Sullivan, but when they give me less reasons to care about this brand split, and more importantly, to take it seriously, it just, it, it, it hurts me. It hurts me, because I'm the type of person that wants to invest in this type of stuff, to want to care when I see people show up on the opposite show. It should feel like a big deal. But when they do it every other week, I'm assuming Sullivan is officially on SmackDown. But I'm not exactly sure. I'll talk more about which brand I think he should be on and him being on SmackDown and all that other stuff when I get to him and my SmackDown picks and my analysis of the SmackDown draftees and whatnot. But uh, solely, we're just talking about Raw for right now. But just the shakeup overall... Again, the format can be done so much better. I would say that to have you know to have the general managers go back and forth. Do they want to trade? Is this a fair trade? Blah blah blah. They don't have any GMs anymore. They just have the McMahons. So again, I have no idea how in storyline any of this is supposed to work. I don't know if even the company knows how any of this is supposed to work. Let alone if they even care. But whatever. Let's start with Raw, then work our way to SmackDown. These are the superstars that are officially designated to the Monday Night Raw roster. Um, just the ones that were moved to Raw, rather, and not, you know, uh, not already part of the Raw roster. Let's start with the former WWE Cruiserweight Champion, Cedric Alexander. And I've been saying this for a while now. Cedric should have been moved up to the main roster a long time ago. He dropped the Cruiserweight title back at Super Showdown in October, over six months ago. And he's had a great run on 205 Live since then, and feuds with Tony Nese... He had a feud with Leo Rush. He had a feud with uh, Buddy Murphy when he went back for the belt late last year. All great matches, but realistically, Alexander should have been called up a few months ago at the latest. Um, but better now, better late than ever. Uh, better late than never, I should say. And uh, now is as good of a time as any for him to be called up to the Monday Night Raw roster. I have no idea whether he's going to be lost in the shuffle or not. I would honestly argue that he will be, um, but it's better than keeping him on 205 Live. He had a great match on Tuesday. The Oni Lorican, it was his swan song from the show. Um, fantastic farewell, the match was great. And uh, it, it was pretty apparent, though, that it was time for him to move on. Not only, <coughs> excuse me, not only is he talented enough to do well on the main roster, but he's already accomplished everything there is to do on 205 Live. Buddy Murphy, same exact thing. I'll talk more about him in my SmackDown picks from, uh, you know, a little later on in the show. But at least Buddy Murphy... In the time that he was on 205 Live, became champion, dropped the belt back at WrestleMania. The turnaround time for him was a lot shorter than Cedric. Cedric has been a part of the Cruiserweight division now for almost three years. He was in the Cruiserweight Classic back in the summer of 2016. Was involved in the very first Cruiserweight match on Raw. 
when the division debuted back in September of 2016, and that was two and a half years ago. Um, he was champion for the better part of 2018, had a great run on 205 Live last year, some awesome matches with, as I mentioned, Mustafa Ali, Buddy Murphy, uh, Tony Nese, uh, Kalisto, I remember him having a great match with. He had a great match with Leo Rush, Drew Gulak, and a number of other people, Hideo Itami. So uh, with Alexander, I think his he had hit his ceiling on 205 Live. He's a guy who I've been saying for a long time now could do well on the main roster. So I'm happy to see him move to Raw. Uh, that seems to be a fine place for him. I mean, typically I would like to pe- see people like him on SmackDown, like the Cruiserweights, like Ali. I thought Ali moving to SmackDown last year was a great move. But I thought that was a great idea because SmackDown has more of a, you know, is more of a place for superstars to make a name for themselves, to get more opportunities. I'm not sure if Alexander is in that position on Raw when you have so many other people like Black, like Ricochet, like all these other people that are on the Raw roster um, that are, you know, Andrade Sinalmas, you have Rey Mysterio on there now. You have two other great high, flower, uh, high flyers and Rey Mysterio and Ricochet on this exact same show. So again, how far he'll actually go on Raw remains to be seen. I would hate to see him end up like an Apollo Crews, who I'll talk more about a little later on because he's now a part of SmackDown as of uh, the Superstar Shakeup as of Tuesday night. Um, Crews, another guy who's a great athlete, a lot of potential, amounted to nothing on Raw because they never really gave him a chance to shine. Uh, a few different times they did, like late last year and a few months ago, but that's like, you know, once in a blue moon type of thing. It was never consistent with Cedric. Um, they gotta start pushing him right out of the gate, not relegating him to main event or fucking matches with Eric Young of all people, who we'll get to in a second, but Alexander, I'm very hopeful, can do well on Raw if given the opportunity. Now, I mentioned Eric Young. That was not a, um, that was not a botch in my part. Eric Young is actually on the Raw roster coming out of the Superstar, coming out of the Superstar shakeup. He never actually appeared on Raw. It was just announced during a graphic during Raw this week that Eric Young was on the Raw roster. It was one of those like supplemental picks. And we don't really have a supplemental draft anymore. They just kind of announce people at random. For example, we had four picks move to SmackDown. After SmackDown went off the air, they just fucking added them to the SmackDown Live roster page um, after SmackDown went off the air on Tuesday. So that's how we found out about those people. Um, Eric Young we found out about during the show itself in a graphic, uh, with no explanation given whatsoever as to why he was being moved to Raw. And it's a weird move. I'm not really, like, mad about it, but he's obviously not going to do anything of note on Raw. Um, I'm not a big Eric Young fan anyway, but his only real use in WWE was as the leader of Sanity. I thought that was the perfect role for him. I thought that's why NXT did, uh, you know, they made something great out of what really wasn't that great to begin with in Eric Young. I thought that was a great use of him, as the leader of these two guys that could use some guidance, and Killian Dean and uh, Alexander Wolf and Nikki Cross as well. I thought Sanity was a really good idea. <laughs> he called him up to the main roster about a year ago. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. And uh, they just amounted to nothing. Just spun their wheels for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then months. And then months turned into a year, and they, they've still been involved in nothing of note on SmackDown. I know they had that match with The Miz, which they lost, a three-on-one handicap match on SmackDown right before WrestleMania, so that was pretty bad. Uh, I guess the rationale is they never really did anything with them, but I would honestly rather see them together as a unit, 
you know, jobbing out to the fucking New Day than I would uh, seeing them apart. Again, like I said, Eric Young on his own does nothing for me. Unless they make him a coach of the PC or something, or I don't even really know, or a manager for somebody else, I really do not care to see Eric Young on his own. He's going to be facing EC3 and fucking main event in, in a week or two. I'm calling it right now. Within a month, you will see EC3 versus Eric Young on main event. Or a tag team between the two. Who the fuck knows? But uh, I just, I thought that was a weird pick. Alexander Wolf went on Twitter on Tuesday, right before SmackDown, saying uh, thanks to everyone for their support. Um, he named off all the accomplishments they had in NXT and all this other stuff. And, uh, yeah, that was about it. He also said goodbye to WWE at the end of the tweet, at the end of the post on, in his tweet. So, seemingly indicating that he was done with WWE, that he was quitting, being granted his release, whatever. As of right now, I have no further confirmation on that. That's purely speculation. But maybe he's moving to NXT UK. Who knows? I'm not exactly sure about... The, the goodbye WWE thing I thought was weird. Just, you know, thanking WWE for the opportunity to make Sanity what it was um, would have been one thing, like Killian Dane did. But... Alexander Wolf actually wrote in the tweet, goodbye WWE. So maybe he got the news they were breaking up Sanity, and he said, peace bitches, I'm out. I'm not doing this shit, because I know I'm not going to amount to anything on, a, on my own, so I might as well leave. Um, so if that's what they're going for here, I honestly wouldn't hate that. Eric Young, I who cares, but Killian Dane has potential. Killian Dane, I think especially in NXT UK, could be a real fucking force to be reckoned with. That's really where he belongs at this point. If they're not going to do anything with him on SmackDown, especially with Lars Sullivan being on the same show, they really might as well move uh, Killian Dane over to NXT UK. Wolf, I could not give two shits about. But uh, yeah, the, the breakup of Sanity is uh, is a weird one because they were never, ever given the chance to get over on the main roster. They lost in their first match in WWE. Last, I think, July it was. What a fucking waste. I know they weren't lighting the world on fire in NXT, but I feel like they should have been given more of a chance to do something, to do anything, before writing them off as a an enhancement tag team. I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity, to say the least. Lacey Evans, also now a member of the Raw roster, kind of expected. Um, she was on Raw and SmackDown last week, but I don't know, she feels more like a Raw girl to me. And Becky Lynch... She's technically on SmackDown, but she's also listed as a member of the Raw roster on WWE.com, probably because she's the current Raw Women's Champion. There's no word on what show she might end up on once she drops one of the titles. I would assume maybe if she drops the SmackDown Women's title first, she'll stick with Raw because she's the Raw Women's Champion still. I don't know. But she's not defending both belts at the same time. She's going to have two different challengers, which I think is kind of cool. Lacey Evans, though, made her in-ring debut on Raw this week, beating Natalya in a number one contenders match, and will be facing Becky Lynch to the Raw Women's Championship at some point in the near future, probably at Money in the Bank. So I think she's off to a strong start on Raw. EC3, also officially part of Raw. Why, I have no idea. Um, I got very, very, very slightly optimistic when I heard his music on Monday's Raw, actually thinking they might do something with him, only for him to journey to the ring, uh, get confronted by Braun Strowman, who proceeded to beat him into an oblivion and choke slammed him through a part of the stage, right off the stage through some sort of platform. And there lies the career of EC3. He would have been way better off on SmackDown. I know they teased a Drake Maverick EC3 pairing 
uh, before SmackDown had a dark match last Tuesday. So that would have been pretty cool. They could still do that. Maybe they'll tell that story. Maybe they'll tell the story of EC3 being down on his luck and he needs Drake Maverick um, to kind of get him back on the right track. I think it's more of a case of Vince McMahon just not liking EC3 for whatever reason. Why bother even calling the guy up? There were no plans for him. I thought that was insanely stupid. Uh, This is a complete burial of EC3 if I've ever seen one. This was a fucking waste of the guy. But yeah, he he absolutely should have been on SmackDown. No doubt about it. Uh, The Usos and Naomi, and I paired them together because it was kind of obvious they would move together. Uh, Naomi is the real-life wife of Jimmy Uso, so wherever he goes, she probably follows. All three of them have been on SmackDown since day one-ish, since the WWE draft back in 2016, so it was only a matter of time before they moved. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Naomi, a former SmackDown Women's Champion, two-time SmackDown Women's Champion, and WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal winner. Kind of did everything on SmackDown, so why not move over to Raw? I thought that was a good pick for Raw. The Usos, same thing, former multi-time SmackDown SmackDown Tag Team Champions, they had to be split away from the fucking New Day. I don't know why they were on the same show as the New Day after last year's shakeup. They should have moved last year, but um, they didn't really do much of anything in 2018. So 2019, uh, they won the SmackDown Tag Team titles back in February, at, I think Elimination Chamber. Walked in at WrestleMania SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Walked out of WrestleMania SmackDown Tag Team Champions. So that was pretty cool. Dropped the belts to the Hardys on the subsequent SmackDown. Now they're on Raw. Um, plenty of tag teams for them to work with from the War Raiders, who I'll get to in a moment. They have them to work with. AOP, if they stay on Raw, I could see them moving to SmackDown. SmackDown may need more tag teams. But uh, yeah, the Usos are on Raw now. They could face the Revival, who I guess aren't moving. I really had my money on the Revival moving, but I guess not. Uh, So the Revival and the Usos would be a great feud. So they have plenty of new competition to work with on Raw after really kind of beating the uh, dead horse that was the SmackDown Tag Team Division. So I like them being on Raw. I like Naomi being on Raw. Rey Mysterio is a weird pick. Not really sure why they chose to move Rey Mysterio. He moved to SmackDown. He was a part of the SmackDown brand when he first came back for a reason. Because they thought he could help bolster that mid-card. Now, he never won the United States Championship. He was quickly beaten by Samoa Joe, who we'll get to in a second. Because he also maybe will likely be joining Raw next week. So, I don't know why you would put Ray and Samoa Joe back on the same show. If they're not going to be, uh, you know, if they've already feuded. Same thing with all of us. It seems like all three people were already in the U.S. title mix. Why would you keep them all in the same show? Even if it was the opposite show. But whatever. Uh, Mysterio, I liked being on SmackDown. Not to say he'll be buried on Raw, but I don't know. I feel like Raw has enough top baby faces between, uh, you know, they have a few people up on the rise between Aleister Black and Ricochet, but they also have who's, you know, can, you know, Rey Mysterio is kind of in the twilight of his career. Uh, you know, Ricochet, I feel like, is the newer is the newer Rey Mysterio, so to have those guys on the same show makes no sense, at least in my opinion, but whatever. Uh, but like I said, you have Ricochet, you have Black, you have Rollins, AJ... There's enough top baby faces on Raw. I don't really think Rey Mysterio is going to be much of anything on Raw. Uh, he might be just overlooked. So we'll see how that one pans out. His past Raw runs in 20, 2008 and 2011 didn't really amount to anything. I mean, in 2011, he became WWE Champion but uh, for a very brief period. But that was about it. So I would, uh, I'm would. i not too optimistic about Rey Mysterio being on Raw. I would have just kept him on SmackDown personally. 
Andrade and Zelina Vega, I think, are good pickups for Raw. I like them being on SmackDown, but the truth of the matter is, they didn't do anything on SmackDown. They didn't do anything on the show at all. They debuted. They kind of spun their wheels for a while. They had great matches with AJ, with Daniel Bryan, with Rey Mysterio. But nothing ever came out of them. Nothing. The guy never won a championship, never really had a, a full-fledged feud. Side of the Rey Mysterio for a few weeks that was also never really properly blown off. Maybe now it could be blown off on uh, on Raw. Now they're both on the same show again. But on night one, as a member of the Raw roster, he beat the Intercontinental Champion Finn Balor in a great match. So he's already off to a stronger start on Raw than he ever was on SmackDown, oddly enough. Um, so I like Andrade being on Raw. Uh, again, I, I, I do now anyway. I thought the idea of Andrade on Raw didn't really do much for me, but you got to keep Zelina Vega with Aleister Black. Well, I would have put on SmackDown, so you could have avoided two both issues with Andrade being on Raw and Aleister Black being on Raw if you just kept them both on SmackDown. But, you know, just to keep Zelina Vega and Aleister Black together because they're a married couple, but... Yeah, at least Andrade is off to a strong start on the Raw roster. I mentioned Aleister Black. Uh, him and Ricochet are still a tag team and are both on Raw. That is a mistake. They're a great tag team, don't get me wrong, but both guys deserve to shine on their own on opposite brands. Uh, the tag team divisions, they have enough tag teams as it is. Black and Ricochet have already gone for both sets of titles and have lost for both sets of titles, including the NXT tag team titles. So they're obviously not very successful as a tag team. They should have gone their separate ways. Kind of disappointed they didn't. Um, not to say they'll be buried on Raw, but there's just a lot of stars on Raw right now. Between Rollins, between Braun, AJ Styles, The Miz, Rey Mysterio even. So I'm not sure where Ricochet and Black really factor into the babyface side on the Raw roster. So that's why I'm kind of like nervous for them. It's not that they don't have the talent, because they do. Black and Ricochet can go four on Raw. Uh, I would have split them up, though. I would have put... I mean, at looking at the lay of the land right now, I would have put Ricochet on SmackDown and kept Black on Raw. If they're going to keep Andrade on Raw and they want to keep Zelina and Aleister Black together, which obviously they should be pretty shitty if they didn't, um, then I would move Ricochet to SmackDown. It seems pretty stupid to put him on the same show as Rey Mysterio and fucking... Who was the other person? Uh, Andrade. I mean, Andrade, who was the other... I, I saw somebody... Oh, Cedric Alexander. Cedric, Ricochet, and Rey Mysterio being on Raw seems a little much for, like, the High Flyers. I would have put at least one of them on SmackDown. So I thought that was a weird move. I, I mean, again, they're very exciting together, but they have far brighter futures on their own than they do as a tag team. The tag team thing is a real short ceiling, especially now that tag team wrestling really isn't much of a focal point on Raw or on SmackDown, really just in WWE in general. Kind of in NXT, NXT UK as well. But uh, Raw, not so much. So that's why I want them as far away from each other as possible. Speaking of tag teams, we have the fucking Viking Experience on Raw now. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Viking Experience, you are. They're the War Raiders from NXT, but they're now known as Ivar and Eric of the Viking Experience. <coughs> Vince went ahead and changed their names for God knows what reason. Um, reportedly, not reportedly, the, the rumor on the street was from fans, and I don't know if someone confirmed this or what the deal was, was that USA Network was not high on the idea of a tag team's name having the word war in it, which I think is incredibly stupid. Maybe something with the word, like, gun in it or bullet, like, having to do with all the shootings going on nowadays, I get it. War, I really, I honestly do not get what the big deal is. 
War is fucking war. It's not offensive. It's not repulsive or offensive. I don't get it. I really don't get what's so bad about the word war. War is life. That's reality. It's inevitable. I, I, if we just went to war or something like that, I would get it, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I really do not understand the rationale behind changing the name of the War Raiders. War Machine, I get. War Raiders, I, I don't understand why they would change it. After they've already been established as the fucking War Raiders in NXT. I know Vince doesn't pay attention to NXT, but he probably should. Telling Triple H, hey, I don't like the name War Raiders, so change it now before they get called up. I feel like spending over a year getting to know these guys as the War Raiders is such a waste that they're going to go ahead and change their names anyway. Evar and Eric is even worse. Hanson and Roe are perfect. Evar and Eric are atrocious names. <coughs> Absolutely terrible. I don't know what, what fucking Viking name generator they pulled those names out of, but they're they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad, so... Uh, they're very talented dudes. They dominated in their debut on Raw. They beat the Raw Tag Team Champions, Ryder and Hawkins, as well as Ricochet and Black in an eight-man tag team match, teaming with the Revival. So they're already off. They're already off to a pretty good start on Raw. But the match was the last thing people were paying attention to at this point. They were far more focused on the fact that their names are terrible. So I mean, that could blow over in a week. That could stick with them until the end of time. That will care. That will cause people to not care right out of the get-go, knowing that their names are the Viking Experience. That's really bad. People will take one look at these guys and write them off as a joke because they're being shoved down your throat as Vikings. Is it really necessary? Is it really necessary to have like a, you know, um, that sound effect, the Ricochet sound effect at the beginning of Ricochet's entrance theme? Is it really necessary to have the creaking? And Alistair Black's in, in his entrance theme when he's making his entrance from the ground. There's a lot of things that are not necessary, but Vince decides to do anyway because he thinks it's a good idea that day. Uh, once in a blue moon, he may be right. Like when they added the whole burn it down thing in the middle of Seth Rollins' theme song. That worked wonders, and it's one of the more over things in anyone's music to this very day. More often than not, though, his decisions are pretty dumb when it comes to stuff like this. Rounding out the Raw roster, we have The Miz. We kicked off the show as the newest acquisition of the Raw roster. Um, that one I didn't really understand. I thought The Miz was perfect on SmackDown two years ago, or three years ago, actually. And I thought he was perfect on Raw or SmackDown last year. Uh, I would assume the only reason why they moved him is because his show airs on the USA Network, uh, Miz and Misses, and they will not be on the USA Network, SmackDown that is after the fall, because it's going to be on Fox come October. Now, and that's in six months. Miz and Mrs., the, the current season ends in a couple weeks. So I feel like that's a little stupid. They could have moved them to Raw next year. Maybe it's because they have a new season coming early 2020. I, I really don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I liked him better on SmackDown. I think he had more of a chance to become a world champion again on SmackDown. Raw may be a different story. Um, then again, who knows? I mean, Raw doesn't have Roman Reigns anymore, so who the hell possibly knows? But yeah, I like The Miz. Uh, I mean, I like The Miz as a babyface. I'm just not so sure if I like him on Raw. But knowing The Miz, one of the most versatile performers in the company, he'll make the most of the move. He'll make it work. He'll be fine. And then closing the show, we had Miz opening the show with his move to Raw. And then AJ Styles jumping ship to the red brand at the end of the show, teaming with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins to beat the trio of 
Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley, a trio that no one asked for, but we're still getting coming out of the shakeup because none of those three heels moved, which I thought was really stupid. But the match was good. Um, AJ shined. Um, he was really the only person that made sense for that spot. He's been on SmackDown since day one. Um, he is a SmackDown guy. But after all, I mean, besides though, he, he's beaten everybody and done everything on SmackDown. It was time for him to move. If there was any time to, for him to switch shows and explore new, uh, you know, landscapes and stuff like that, it's it's now. It's now. He was already WWE champion twice at one point for over a year. Um, he's a former United States champion. He's feuded with almost every top name on SmackDown. So again, I thought the time was right to pull the trigger and move him to Raw. So I like him being on Raw. So again, the Raw acquisitions include AJ Styles, The Miz, Ricochet, Aleister Black, Eric, Ivar. So stupid. Andrade, Zelina Vega, Rey Mysterio, Jimmy and Jay Uso, Naomi, EC3, Lacey Evans, Eric Young, and Cedric Alexander. For SmackDown, we start with Heavy Machinery, who apparently the company forgot even existed until well after SmackDown ended. So like I mentioned earlier, we had... A few people that were added to SmackDown from Raw after the show went off the air. Which is fun. It's like their supplemental picks. Would have been nice if they aired it in a graphic during the show for people to find out, hey, we're on Raw, or on SmackDown rather, like Eric Young. But no, they waited until after to add them to the WWE.com SmackDown roster list. Whatever. Um, Heavy Machinery wasn't even a part of that list, including the supplemental picks. It took them about an hour to realize, oh shit, they don't have a home. Let's add them to the roster. So they're on SmackDown. Uh, it's probably the best brand form after the War Raiders went to Raw and the Usos went to Raw. SmackDown got no tag teams in return, so they might as well get heavy machinery. So I thought that was a good pick. Nikki Cross, by the way, still has no home. Uh, they drafted all the unofficiated superstars with the exception of heavy machinery, who would now have a home on SmackDown. And Nikki Cross, she's the only free agent left in WWE. Uh, between Raw and SmackDown, that is. So I don't know where she ends up. SmackDown got a lot of women in their shakeup. Raw didn't really get all that many at all. They got Zelina Vega, who doesn't wrestle. And they got Lacey Evans, I guess. And uh, Naomi. That doesn't really seem like that fair of a trade. And Nia Jax is out, and Alicia Fox will likely be released at some point. So I'd probably put Nikki Cross on Raw, to be honest with you. Uh, Speaking of the women, Mickie James went to SmackDown. She was doing nothing on Raw. She was a buddy-buddy with Alexa Bliss for a while for the past year on Raw. But that, you know, they kind of broke up that alliance a few months ago after Alexa Bliss got hurt and she's been doing the whole moment of Bliss thing. So Mickey James and Alexa Bliss haven't really been an item on TV since like late last year. So moving Mickey to SmackDown isn't really a game changer. She'll likely just be there to put other people over. Um, I like Mickey, but she's not going to do anything. So who cares? Liv Morgan's an interesting case. She is way more of an interesting case um, they have since split up the Riot Squad with her move to SmackDown, which honestly I'm a big fan of. It's not even that I don't like the Riot Squad. They were just booked like fucking losers. They were booked like losers. Uh, WWE ruined that that faction. Any momentum that faction had, they squandered by having them lose and lose and lose and lose. They ran that thing into the goddamn ground over the last year and a half by having them lose to everybody on the roster 10 times over. So, Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot can do their, you know, their Riot Squad shit on Raw. I hope not. I hope they just break apart and do their own thing. But, uh, I'm glad they split up because they just, 
they're losers. It wasn't going to go anywhere. So I'm glad Liv Morgan's on SmackDown now. Uh, she's a good, she's a good fit for that roster. I don't know if she's going to do anything when you have a lot of other really talented women on SmackDown from like Bailey and Ember Moon and Kyrie Sane. And you have Oscar still on the show and Becky Lynch and Charlotte. So I'm not even sure Liv Morgan's going to sniff television time now, but hey, at least they split them up. We have Apollo Crews back on SmackDown. He was drafted to SmackDown back in 2016. Got a mid-card push for a couple months. Didn't really do much after that. Had a failed feud with Dolph Ziggler early on in 2017. Moved to Raw a couple months later. Uh, Did Titus Worldwide for about a year on Raw. That went nowhere. They started to seemingly push him on his own late last year, earlier this year. That also went nowhere. So I'm hoping he gets a renewed start on SmackDown. The guy's really, really talented. I mentioned this before when talking about Cedric. Apollo Crews, crazy talented guy. Uh, never really given a chance to be anything on his own. And that can date back all the way to when they promoted him to the main roster back in the spring of 2016. This has been an issue with him for like three years where the guy has good matches, but they never really seem to be intent on pushing him. So... I'm not sure if anything different is going to be... I'm not sure if it's going to be much different for him on SmackDown than it was before. doesn't hurt, but again, they've had him on SmackDown before, didn't do anything with him then, so what's different now? Chad Gable, you could say the same thing about... With Chad Gable, they have now broken him up from three different tag team partners. That, to me, says that, hey, we look at you as a perennial tag team guy, not as a single star, which could not be any farther from the truth. Chad Gable's a very talented dude. He can go in the ring. He's proven that in various matches with AJ Styles. He had a great match with uh, Kurt Angle, or as good of a match as you could have with Kurt Angle at this stage of his career. (coughs) Excuse me, about a month or so ago. Yeah, the guy's really, really good. And uh, he's another dude that could really shine on his own if given the opportunity. But again, it's not like we haven't been in this position before. Two years ago, he was teaming up with Jason Jordan. Jordan got moved to Raw. So American Alpha, American Alpha broke up pretty abruptly. And uh, Gable, I think, had a few good matches at that point with Kevin Owens and again with AJ Styles. And then after that, nothing, nothing. They paired him off with Shelton a couple months after that. They had a good thing going. They split that up in the Superstar Shake-Up. Gable went to Raw. Seemed to have a, you know some promise on Raw from the get-go. I think he beat Jinder in his first night on the show. Then Jinder avenged the loss the very next week, so I don't know what the point of that was floundered for the next couple months before he teamed up with Bobby Roode. They won the Raw Tag Team titles, which was cool, but that didn't last very long, and their tag team had also run its course. I'm hoping Bobby Roode can do his own thing now as a heel on Raw now that he and Gable have been broken up. I'm more excited for Bobby being on his own than Gable, to be honest, because Gable, <coughs> excuse me, at least at least he has been on his own before, and they've just shown no interest in pushing him. The same goes for Roode who was also doing jack shit about a year ago on his own. But at least at that point, he was a babyface. <coughs> he and Gable turned heel recently. So maybe he continues being a heel, and he turns into a solid singles heel on the show. I would certainly hope so, because uh, otherwise he's going to die a death on that brand. Chad Gable can be a real smart asset. He can be a real asset to that mid-card division on SmackDown. He and Balor could do some real cool things over that Intercontinental title if WWE wanted to go in that direction. So again, I'm not as optimistic about Gable um, being anything on his own just because they've been in this position before and didn't do anything with him then, a lot like Apollo Crews. So what's different now? I guess we'll see. 
Um, but I do like him being on SmackDown, though. Buddy Murphy, kind of the same thing where, not like with the whole, oh, we won't push him on his own type thing, but like where I could see him being a great mid-carder for SmackDown. Maybe even upper mid-carder if they play their cards right. Buddy Murphy is an incredible talent. He can go in the ring. He can talk on the mic, too. He had a really good run as a uh, cruiserweight champion from late last year up until WrestleMania. Um, he's had a hell of a career resurgence over the last uh, year on 205 Live. It was high timing I moved up to the main roster. Unlike Cedric, I mean, like Cedric, he had done everything on 205 Live. Unlike Cedric, there was no reason to keep him on 205 Live past his title reign. He lost the belt, got his rematch, lost again. Uh, time to move on. And now we have that. Now we have that, and he's on SmackDown Live. So I like that pick a lot. Buddy Murphy, if given you know the right opponents to work with, can be a real fucking star. People really get a good look at this guy and realize, holy shit, he can go. So Buddy Murphy I have somewhat high hopes for. Not to say that they'll make him the next fucking Intercontinental Champion, but I love the idea of a Buddy Murphy-Finn Balor feud because it feels fresh, and the matches, <coughs> excuse me, the matches could be really, really good. Lars Sullivan, kind of talked about him before. He appeared on Raw on Monday, and he was listed as a member of the Raw roster coming out of the shakeup on Monday night, and then showed up on SmackDown on Tuesday. So apparently he's a SmackDown superstar, which I like better, but then why have him appear on Raw? I know they want to give him more exposure, but I just thought that was stupid and confusing. Uh, at least they're separating him and Lars. I like that idea a lot, because I do not need to see Lars and Braun on the same show. At least now Lars can be his own dude on SmackDown. He's like the only real big dude that SmackDown has. Uh, they have Rowan, but the guy's fucking terrible. So Lars being like the monster heel on SmackDown, I like that. I like that because he can uh, kind of do his own thing on that show and dominate everyone in sight. So I like Lars being on SmackDown. I don't know who you would pair him with off the bat. Seems like he might be feeding with R-Truth going forward based off how he beat him up on Tuesday and interacted with Carmella. That's fine. It's a fine first feud for Sullivan on SmackDown, but long-term, I think he can be something for that show if they continue building him up the right way. Kyrie Sane coming up from NXT. Uh, the Pyro Princess is now a member of the Blue Brand after it was announced that she and Asuka are a team thanks to Paige. I love the idea of an Asuka-Kyrie Sane tag team. I really do. Paige can be their mouthpiece. The tag team division needs him now that Bailey and... Uh, Sasha Banks for no more. Speaking of Sasha, she had reportedly quit over the weekend or wanted to quit. <coughs> I really don't have anything else to say on that story just because there's no facts being reported here. It's all rumor and hearsay and all this other shit. So she seems to be out of the picture for the for the next few weeks. She wasn't on Raw last week or this week, so I'm not really sure what her status is. But I'll talk more about it when we get more details, hopefully by next Thursday. But yeah, Kyrie Sane and Asuka... Uh, I like that idea a lot because Asuka wasn't really doing anything. She's a former SmackDown Women's Champion. But even on her own, they weren't doing shit with her. She was a complete afterthought on SmackDown. So at least she and Asuka, at least, or at least she and Kyrie, can be something in that women's tag team division. And I'm sure they'll have great chemistry too. So it's like the, the fucking second coming of the Jumping Bomb Angels. I love that. I mean, it's probably a racist, stereotypical comparison, but it's true. And I think Asuka and Kyrie can be really... Um, you know, a, a really fun tag team to watch in that division. Ember Moon and Bailey also made the move to SmackDown on Tuesday. Ember Moon has been on Raw for the last year. That's where she debuted the night at the WrestleMania 34. She's done nothing. Absolutely nothing. She had a couple good matches, 
She did not have one single fucking feud on Raw in the time she was on that show. Yeah, she was hurt recently. Uh, she got hurt back at the Rumble. Before that, though, she was perfectly healthy. She was on the show every week. They did nothing with her. She feuded with the Riot Squad maybe for a week or two. Other than that, Ember Moon was completely wasted on Raw. So hopefully it's not the same thing on SmackDown. And she seems to be positioned pretty well from the get-go. So I have hope for her. Bailey, <coughs> excuse me, desperately needed the fresh start. She's been on a, uh, she's been on Raw almost since the beginning. Uh, a month after the draft, she got moved to Raw right after SummerSlam 2016. And she has been joined with Sasha Banks at the hip since she got called up. Almost from day one, she and Sasha have been like a unit. On and off, on and off, feuding, teaming, whatever. <coughs> so, I like the idea of splitting them up and having them do their own thing. Because uh, Sasha, hopefully she can be her own singles heel when she comes back. That would be ideal. With Bailey, uh, she can hopefully rebound on SmackDown. She can be a good face for that show. If not, Ember Moon is a, the first good face they can have. And Becky Lynch is obviously number one if she stays on SmackDown after being the champ champ. But uh, Bailey's not a fine choice. She's not a bad choice either. Not, didn't, mean, didn't mean to say not a fine choice. I meant to say not a bad choice. Because uh, Bailey can still be something of note if they built her up the right way. So hopefully... Um, she can have a bright future on SmackDown. Elias was announced as the big acquisition at the hands of Vince McMahon at the end of the show on Tuesday. I'm not as big of a fan of that pick just because I thought Raw suited him well. And, uh, Raw with the three-hour format gives him more time to do his concerts and shit. But, whatever. Um, maybe he'll become more serious. Maybe because of that he'll become more serious on SmackDown. But, time will tell in that regard. Instead, we had Roman Reigns interrupting Elias, laying out Elias, laying out Mr. McMahon. Uh, Roman Reigns is now on SmackDown. The blue brand is the big dog's yard now. Uh, I like the move. After AJ moved to Raw, you obviously had to have a big name move to SmackDown in return. Never thought they would actually do it. Um, after they moved AJ, I figured they would. But if you go back a year or so, I mean, not even a year or so, going back to the beginning of Roman's push, Roman was always being made out to be, was always being booked to look like the face of Monday Night Raw. Pretty much the equivalent of what John Cena was to Raw many, many years ago. The flag bearer of the flagship show. And now he's on SmackDown. So I think it's a nice change of scenery for him. Don't get me wrong. But uh, maybe it's because they're moving to Fox in the fall and they want like a big name headlining SmackDown. I mean, AJ's a huge name and all, but he's not the guy like Roman Reigns is. So maybe that's why they did that. I'm not exactly sure I would. that would probably be my... Uh, my, my thought process behind why they moved Roman to SmackDown. Not to mention how he already beat everyone else on Raw. Uh, him and Rollins have already feuded a bunch of times. He's feuded with Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. Most of the mid-card, Braun Strowman. So I don't see why not. But uh, yeah, Roman being on SmackDown could be a real... It, it, it's going to be interesting. Because he's been cheered more recently coming off of his return from cancer, which is great. How long that'll last, who knows? I mean, he was booed at WrestleMania, and the next night, shockingly, uh, not so shockingly considering it was the week after WrestleMania, this week he wasn't really booed as much, so we'll see how long that lasts, but when it comes to uh, Roman's feature in the blue brand, I'm in favor of it, we'll see if he can, uh, who he can feud with, there's really not many people for him to feud with right out of the get-go, there was Elias, yeah, don't really have much interest in that, uh, there's Randy Orton, been there, done that, Daniel Bryan, him and Daniel Bryan would be a cool feud, 
Uh, now that Brian's heel and they can kind of go off the matches they had from a few years ago. Uh, <coughs> that's one idea. Him and Sullivan at some point would be a good idea. Uh, Kevin Owens is currently a babyface. Um, they could do him and Kofi, I guess. I don't know if I would exactly do that. I feel like people would poop all over Roman all over again if he was one to be Kofi for the title. But anyway, though, uh, him and the blue brand is definitely the right move to make, especially if they're going to move AJ to Monday Night Raw. And I think there was one more thing I wanted to mention here, looking at the results of the Superstar shakeup before we move on. Oh, yeah. Like I said, Finn, oh, Finn Balor. Finn Balor, I forgot to mention. How could the fuck could I forget about Finn Balor? He is bringing the Intercontinental Championship to Raw, or to SmackDown, rather, um, for the first time in his career. He's now a member of the Blue Brand. Uh, Balor has been very up and down over the last number of years. He came back on Raw a few years ago. He was drafted at Raw very high up in the WWE draft in 2016. Had a great start on the show. Got hurt, came back, was a glorified mid-carder. 2017 was a pretty bad year for Balor overall. 2018 was much better. Um, didn't win any titles last year, but he seemed to kind of find his footing again. This year, he's already a two-time Intercontinental Champion. He's Brock Lesnar back at the Rumble. So, uh, I like Balor being on SmackDown, though. I would hope that after his IC title reign is done, he can get back in the world title picture. So, maybe it's not long before we see him and Roman again. We could see him and Daniel Bryan. That could be a really cool feud. Him and Orton, I feel like, kind of writes itself. Him and Buddy Murphy would be a great feud. Him and Lars Sullivan, maybe. Uh, him and Elias have already kind of worked together a few times before, so there, there, there's a lot of possibilities there for people that Owens can feud with. Kevin Owens, if he turns back into a heel at some point, uh, they can reunite him, Gallows, and Anderson if they wanted to, uh, maybe even as a heel faction before Gallows and Anderson likely leave in the fall. So uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of possibilities there. That brings up what happens to the mid-card titles on SmackDown, because as of right now, coming out of the shakeup, SmackDown has both the United States, and Intercontinental Championships. Uh, I think the original plan was to move Joe to Raw before he was, like, sick on Monday, so they never did it. Um, I don't know why you just wouldn't run a promo instead, a vignette, or have him cut a promo, or whatever. So that seemed a little strange. But I would assume Joe's moving next week. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't do it during the shakeup itself. I just think that's stupid. It just muddies the rules of the whole shakeup even more. If people are moving after the shakeup's already concluded. But whatever. They got to get him on Raw because SmackDown already has the Intercontinental title. So unless Balor loses the title to Andrade on Raw or at a pay per view coming up, it doesn't make sense to have both belts on Raw or SmackDown, rather. Um, so yeah, I could see Joe moving to Raw on Monday and uh, hopefully feuding or probably feuding with Braun Strowman based off what was teased last week. So that's my expectation for that. But that was the 2019 WWE Superstar Shakeup overall. If I had to pick a show, who won out in the SmackDown versus Raw Superstar Shakeup? I would say Raw. I think Raw, you know, kind of made up for the bad roster. I mean, they didn't have a bad roster last year coming out of the Shakeup. I just thought SmackDown had a way better roster. Uh, this year, it's it's a little bit more even. I think SmackDown has a lot of stuff to work with. They have the easily the strongest women's division. In several years, they have a number of good tag teams. They lost the Usos, but they still have a bunch of good tag teams. The mid-card, well, it remains to be seen what they do with who they have. So they don't really have much of a mid-card. Um, and we'll see. But that being said, though, there's also, um, you know, a pretty decent main event scene. So that they could build around that as well. 
But uh, yeah, I think of the two brands, I think Raw has the stronger roster overall. Between Rollins and AJ, Braun, Miz, Ricochet Black, Rey Mysterio, Andrade. I feel like they kind of had the better roster to work with. But SmackDown is in by no means a bad spot. It's not like they're building around Jinder Mahal as the WWE champion. This is in 2017, people. It could be far worse, trust me. Uh, they have a pretty good roster overall. They freshened up the rosters, which was desperately needed. Not to say that Raw and SmackDown will be any better than they were before WrestleMania. Um, switching the rosters is one thing, but it's all a matter of how much effort they put into the creative direction of both shows that determines how good the shows are. So, we'll see if that continues or if it goes back to being shit. We'll find out in due time. I'm still a SmackDown guy. I still bleed blue. But if I had to choose, I can't. You can't go wrong with Raw here. They really cleaned up. And I'm a big AJ fan. I'm a much bigger AJ fan than Roman Reigns. So that's why I'm I'm tempted aside with Raw here um, in terms of who they got and who they still have on the show. Again, though, that was the 2019 Superstar Shakeup. Would love to hear from you guys and who you guys thought won out in the Shakeup. Was it Raw? Was it SmackDown? NXT still has a pretty strong roster. 205 Live has some making up to do after losing Ali, Buddy Murphy, and Cedric Alexander. Um, but, you know, hopefully they pick up some new talent in due time. But, uh, yeah, plenty to discuss in the coming weeks here on WrestleRant Radio and how the shakeup kind of shakes out in both shows. Was it for the better or what was it for the worse? Did they fuck up some moves? Did they make moves that weren't necessary? Will this end up being what really needed to happen in order to make both shows exciting again? SmackDown was always good. Raw was what really needed help. Um, I guess we'll find out in the weeks to come, but thank you guys for tuning in to WrestleRant Radio this week. I appreciate the support as always. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. New episodes every single Thursday. And um, yeah, we'll be back here on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday for an all-new episode. Until then, guys, have a great rest of your week. I'm Graham Gison Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Yeah.